Hi, friends, and welcome to episode five. Can you believe it? A brazen business. I am so excited about this episode. I had so much fun talking with Christina when we when we recorded this. We actually had some technical difficulties, which is becoming part of my everyday here lately. But I had a backup recording device that was running because um, I was not confident in the software that was recording the episode. And I'm glad that I did because I ended up having to use the backup recording. So there's a little bit of some um, imbalance in our voices because I don't have the, the correct audio. But the episode was too important and too fun not to put out there. So I apologize for the poor quality of audio, but I, it's going to make up for it in content. Um, We talk with Christina Smith in this episode, and she is a multimedia artist. I first met her in San Diego five years ago. Um, She was a painter, maybe six years ago, actually. And she has transitioned both her businesses, her art forms, her mediums, and where she lives. And we get into all of that um, to discuss what she's making now. Her business um, that we're discussing is Fungus Gallery. It is an art-based business where she makes um, sculptures, trinkets, wall hangings, digital art, and it's all um, kind of odd, but in the most wonderfully beautiful way. She has such an eye with color and size and proportion, and so we get into kind of her craft and her inspiration for what she does a little bit in this episode, and I'm going to... Make sure that you can see some of her art in our posts on Instagram. So follow us there so you can check out what she's actually making. And give her a follow at Fungus Gallery on Instagram. She has an Etsy shop and she also has a website that's really well done. So I hope that you will enjoy this discussion. I hope you'll giggle along with us a little bit. And yeah, we just had a good time. So please enjoy episode five with Fungus Gallery, owned by Christina Smith of Brazen Business Podcast. Let's start at the beginning. So I met you in 2018 in San Diego, California, at a music and art festival called Kaboo. And yeah, you were doing paintings of women at the time. What was your, was your name? To- Toxic Barbie? Defective Barbie. Defective Barbie. That's right. It's so funny because of this Barbie movie that just came out. I have been thinking to myself, like, I thought about your name often over the years, but um, I had seen your work the previous year at that same festival, and then um, your work stuck with me because it was beautiful, but also your name. Like, I couldn't, like, the use of the two different, like, you know, Barbie is this fluffy, pretty thing, and you use defective as the other part of it. It just really stuck with me, and so... That was one of the ways that I fe- like found like reconnected with you again was I could remember your old art name when I was looking for you on Instagram and then that's how I found your new business when I just like recently reached out to you. So that's kind of hey, it's good branding if nothing else, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we had met you were doing these paintings and they were beautiful. I'll let you like speak to it a little bit more, but from a novice's standpoint, they were just like um, really beautiful, like color, but like, like very like muted or like watercolor. Like it wasn't totally saturated with color, but it was really cool silhouettes and like different uses of like 
the way the paint would drip or show or not show in negative space and that kind of thing. And so there was really beautiful work that you were doing at that time um, when I met you. So what if you're if you're talking about changing your art form, what are we talking about? What did you go to? Um, I, I, <laughs> I guess I was uh, deluding myself. I was like, I'm going to do something a little less, um, provocative, I guess was the goal. Okay. So you felt like the, doing the, the paintings before were like maybe a certain taste. And so you were like cutting yourself out of some of your clientele possibly. Is that what you mean? I had, I had kind of painted myself into a corner, um, and I wanted to branch out and try, you know, kind of any art medium really that piqued my curiosity. So I just sort of turned it all upside down and tried to do something kind of the opposite. Um, so I've got more um, sculpture, more like three-dimensional sort of objects. I'm doing more recycling. Um, but... Because you were 2D before, right? With the paintings you were doing before, it was just strictly like pa painting on canvas um, and that art form, right? And so you're saying like now you're doing more 3D type of art um, projects? Yeah, before it was more traditional, uh, fine art, and now it's more, um, I don't know, I think I, for me it's more, I find it to be more accessible. Um and I'm trying to be a little bit more sustainable and experiment with like reusable and recycled materials. Okay. So, um, I've seen some of the products on Instagram cause I follow you. And first of all, I freaking love everything that you're putting out there. I think that, um, your use of color and your use of like, uh, strange objects together is really awesome. Um, but I kind of want to know how you got from being this 2d artist to what you're doing now. Like, what was that transformation? Like, did you have to like, did you set out, like, I'm going to do sculpting now, or did you just kind of start playing around with a bunch of mediums and like figure out what, what you really loved the most? Like, how did it come to be? It it came through frustration. I was not happy. I felt like. The message that I was trying to portray wasn't really getting across. I just felt frustrated when it seemed like more people were coming up to me and asking, like, you know, why are you just painting women? Like, to me, I thought that was obvious, but sure. <laughs> and I got tired of answering the question. Um, and then, oddly enough, uh, <laughs> the pandemic hit, and I thought, well, damn, here's my opportunity. Sure. You know, you're you're trapped inside. Um, you're financially supported. Might as well experiment, right? Sure. So that's what I did. I just I took what was a tragedy and tried my best to make it into an opportunity, and built up this collection of weird artworks that I'm selling now. Right, and so that it kind of um, that that's what. <laughs> when you describe yourself as like a being weird artworks that you're selling now, it makes me giggle because when we first started talking about this, you said you were making provocative things and you felt like maybe you were limiting yourself on who would like, um, 
be able to buy your art because you're just painting women. But I'm also, when I see your art now, it is provocative still to me because you're using like so many different things in like an unexpected way that I still feel like you describing it as weird is like really hitting the nail on the head. But like, do you not think that that weirdness makes it a little provocative anyway? It definitely is uh, still provocative, I would say in a different way. Sure. Um, Sure. Maybe maybe more of an ambiguous sort of way that I really am enjoying. So, okay, so then when we first got on the call, you had mentioned um, when you were kind of making the shift in your art, you also went through a divorce process. So was that part of, was that, was that prior to changing mediums and changing focus or was that part of the transition or where did that fall into things? Um... I tried to go through the transition with my former partner uh, and that just did not work. If anything, it only brought up um, the problems to the point that they were. Sure. Like just maybe like it exemplified or, or maybe like highlighted what, what was already there type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So, you know, on my journey to like, I don't know, make myself a better artist better person I just thought you know what I need to be alone (laughs) yeah sure sure I can understand that and so um when I first messaged you and reached out and said hey let's chat about like your business and how you've gotten where you are now I said you're on west coast time right and you said no I'm not I'm in Kentucky now so then I think so (laughs) so you've also not only changed mediums, changed art focus, changed lives, got a divorce, but you also moved across the country. And where are you at now? I did. Now I'm in Paducah, Kentucky. Oh, man. Good old Paducah, Kentucky. For, you know, it's on the way for me. I drive through Paducah anytime I'm going to any place in Tennessee, basically. It's on my route. And so I, every time I see the name Paducah, I'm always like, oh, here's that town again. I'm driving through again. So that's quite, <laughs> that's funny. Oh. And the world is so small that now I'm in it. Yes. that Yeah. I mean, how wild. And so what brings you to Paducah? Like, how do you get there? What's that? What? How did you tell me that? Tell me that story. Okay. So, well, that, um, that came onto my mom's radar many, many years ago, maybe a decade ago or more. I'm not sure. But they had um, an artist relocation program going on once upon a time. Um, that brought a bunch of people from all across the U.S., including her, to here. Um, And then when I decided to turn my life upside down, uh, (laughs) I needed somewhere to figure myself out. And at the very least, it turned out that I could afford to do that here. So I stayed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, that's total. It makes total sense, and uh, I can I can totally respect that. Also, I think it's really fun that you were having experiencing all these other changes. That you were like, let me just totally uproot myself also and try to figure it out in a different location. Like that's just it's <laughs> maybe counterintuitive. Surrounded by strangers. <laughs> right, it's maybe like counterintuitive, but I like I love it because I mean oh, it right. seems to be working out for you so well. So how how long ago was that that you relocated? Was that prior to the pandemic? Was that during? What when did you move to Paducah? During. Oh um, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, that was two, <laughs> two years ago, I think. 
Well, you just don't do anything easy. I tell you what. You wait until the whole world shuts down and then you decide to move. Yes, I did this the hardest possible way. I love it. I love it. But also that just goes to show you, like, there's always a way. Like, there's always a way out. There's always a way forward. There's always a way to, like, keep going. So if anything, I think that that should just be inspiring to anybody, you know? Very true. Very true. So now you're in Paducah and then you you find this new medium that's working for you. And then what is your business model? Like, I want to talk a little bit about your items, but before we talk about like the kind of art that you're making, what, where are you, where are you selling it? Like, are you, are you online? Do you have a store? First of all, let I'm, I'm talking a lot, but I really have to say this. Your stop motion reels that you make with your products are an art form in their own. Like I stop and watch these every time they come across my newsfeed because I'm just like, ah, like I have so much respect because I know how, first of all, how hard it is to make one of those things. But like the creativity behind just even the content that you're putting out is just top notch friends. So kudos to you for, for how you're, you're putting it out there. It's really great. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what are you doing? How are you selling? How are you um, getting your art out into the world in Paducah? Well, that's another big thing. Another reason why I changed the sort of art that I was making um, was I, when I was exhibiting paintings and making more traditional art, I exhibited all in person and through art shows and a couple of galleries. And the art shows were the main way that I sold. And it was exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The goal with my new work, it's all designed to be very affordable and easy to ship because ah. I to sell it all online. Yeah, sure. So how I did that was through Etsy. Uh, I've had a few shops, like I've tried a few shops over the years that just didn't quite work. Sure. But... I felt like I had some ideas that I thought would fit Etsy's marketplace really well. And, you know, it was the beginning of the pandemic. So I had plenty of time on my hands. So I just gave it a try and I was right. I, luckily I was right. Uh, I had a really good response. Um, my stuff sold really well. So I just kept adding to it and I really, enjoy the ability to sell online um i felt like it gave me a lot more time to create rather than sell sure which, which is a weird thing to try to balance in the art world i think it really it really is i don't know if you if you felt this way before but like i have been so busy with art show schedules before where i've been like i don't even have time to get in the studio and like make stuff for the next show because i'm sitting at the show and that's hard it's kind of a time suck and so and i do enjoy it i love talking to the people in person you know that is something that i love but you're right. There is something about being able to just focus on the craft itself. And let's be honest, selling on Etsy is not easy. Like there is a huge catalog of work that's on that website. I mean, it has grown so much in the last 10 to 15 years that like I've even been aware of it. And it was rocking before I got on the scene making art and putting it on Etsy. So 
it's a full-time commitment to create listings and product photos and write, you know, tag words and, and make your products be discovered in that kind of vast environment. So that's, that's also a lot of work. I, I think it, no matter what you do, selling your art is a lot of work. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's just whether you're doing it at home in front of your computer or like in a market or whatever, the, the wholesale, you know, chasing down clients like that. So what do you think has been the key to your success on Etsy? Because Etsy is hard. It's hard to be successful on Etsy. What do you think you're, when you said like you thought you had a good product for the marketplace, what do you mean? Expand upon that. Um, I, I, it might be all about shipping, really. Um, small items. Yeah. Are good. You know, the smaller, the better. That means it's the le- le- blah, blah, less expensive to ship. Sure. Um, small and lightweight. So I focused on that. And while I was painting portraits, I had a habit of not painting the eyes. And when I switched to sculpture, I sculpted eyeballs. That um, is so funny. <laughs> it was just sort of um, like a little poetic continuation. Yeah. <laughs> for my stuff. But um, yeah, I had access to an art making process, thanks to my mom, that where I could reproduce these eyeballs um, fairly quickly so that I could make them inexpensively enough uh so it kind of hit all the marks it was small lightweight and inexpensive you know so very accessible to pretty much any kind of art collector you know whether you're a beginner or you're an expert on collecting you could probably afford it which i think is a lot of fun and maybe the probably the most fun um yeah i feel like we talk about accessibility on here a lot Uh, the um, painter I was just speaking with last week talked about the same thing about like wanting to have things in her art booth that anybody could take home a piece of her, her art like if it's a sticker or if it's a huge print on canvas whatever the situation may be and I do think that that is just a huge component of um, longevity because like you have to be able to have have something for everybody because there you can't if you otherwise you niche yourself into a, a an socioeconomic bracket that you can't really expand your customer base beyond right if you're staying really in one price point so I do think that that's huge yeah and it's it's my audience too like I'm part of that audience you know yeah I'm definitely part of the like I I buy affordable art so I figure that's probably what I should make. <laughs> well, and affordable art also is generally supporting like a small artist. So it also feels good to be supporting because you don't have to be well known or be hung in museums to be really awesome, intriguing, thought-provoking art, right? Oh, one last thing I wanted to add was photography. Oh, 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 on Etsy? Oh, we're talking about yeah. Etsy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go on. Yes product photography I think was huge because I feel like I finally got good at it yeah (laughs) Uh, which was so hard and the only way that I got good at it was by taking billions of photographs billions right like (sighs) I tell people a lot when people are like talking about like 
art journeys or like starting businesses. And I think I said this in like my um, narrative about myself in an episode, but I was like, <clears throat> my first, my first product photos, I used a flash. Like that's how bad I was at product photos. Like my first Etsy shop, I used a black satin, like sateen. So it was like shiny uh, oh. tablecloth for my backdrop. And I was making jewelry, and so I put jewelry on there, and then I used a flash on my camera setting, and I put those products up. I put them up on my first Etsy. I put them up on my first website. I did it. And like you said, then I did it one billion more times before my product photos started to resemble anything that I could like be proud of. And I took countless like online classes. I read every Pinterest board you could find on product photography. I tried all the natural light trick. I mean, it, it is a, you have to learn, you have to educate yourself to be able to do those things. Right. And so that's what I'm saying when I'm saying Etsy is a job. It is a job. Yeah. When you're, when you're talking about your product photography and you said you took like a billion photos to get good at it I was wondering if there's any like if you remember a turning point where you're like oh this was really helpful or if you started you know staging your photos in a different was there one point where you're like now I'm getting it like a, a, like a really helpful tip that you learned or something like that or was it just simply taking them over and over again uh, I think it was training my eye to understand what the camera sees. Uh, there's a huge difference between what I see with my own eyes and what the camera sees. And there's nothing like practice to help your brain understand the, the gap, to like fill in that gap so that you can translate what you're envisioning to fit in the actual like screen of the camera. Um, I think... How do you even ex like describe or explain that? I don't know the words. There's probably technical words if I had been properly. <laughs> no, I to I totally know what you're saying because a lot of times I will get something totally staged. I think is going to be great, and then I take a shot, and I'm like, oh, that's terrible, and like I have to totally readjust maybe the perspective or the things that are in the shot or their relativity to the other things in the shot, the props, the side, the light, whatever. I do think you're, I, I know exactly what you're talking about is like you can stage something perfectly, but it will present itself differently on the camera and being able yeah. to manipulate that. And then maybe even more so when you say train your eye, maybe even more so of like when you take a bad shot, knowing instinctively how to correct it to make it good. Mm -hmm. And staging for the camera, not your own eyes. It's just not the same. You got to do it for the camera. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. And you're right because without good product photography, there's no sales on Etsy. <laughs> No. <laughs> I can say this from experience. I had no sales on Etsy that first time. <laughs> yeah, because I've had, this is my third Etsy shop, and I can definitely say that my photos were not great for the first two. So, you know, like, I feel like it, it really makes a huge difference. Like, maybe all the difference, who knows, but it's working. Yeah. Well, your, I, something I think that a lot of people don't think about when they're, 
starting a like a craft or art based business is you're an artist already. So yes, you make the the thing that you make, but and I'm not saying that like just anybody can be a great photographer because I'm not even trying to like undermine the education artistic eye it takes to be a great photographer. But what I'm saying is there's, I've seen so many people that have like great art and then they quit being creative with like the staging of their products when it comes time to like promote them and, and take pictures of them for things. And, um, that is something that I just see you doing really, really beautifully. It's like just an extension of your artwork is how you're framing your content. And I do think that that really does help, um, in, in helping your sales. It's got to. World building. Yeah, I do try to build the whole world around them. Like, yes, the object itself is fun. Like I have, for example, um, a figurine that is a sculpture of a toad wearing a tall pointy hat because I wanted to make a gnome that was different. Yeah. So I made a gnome toad. Uh but, you know, like the object itself, yeah, it's cool. But like, what do you do with it? And what do you style it with? Yeah. So if you just go ahead and, and do that, then people not only are drawn to the object, but then all the work's done for them. They can picture it on their own desk or next to their favorite indoor plant. Right. I... I absolutely um, love that. I love the painting of a story for somebody so that they can picture it in their own life. Um, tell the people about some more of your products. One of my favorite things that you create is made with, I'm not sure, I mean, I'm not sure what you make them with, but it looks like a model of, te of teeth. Oh, like the teacups and that sort of Yes, thing. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I love your really odd stuff. Like I really, I really just do. So tell me, tell, tell the people that are listening more about like your product line and the things that you're, that you're making. And we'll pop some like good product photos up in the, in the uh, episode promo so people can see for themselves. But I mean, just to, what are some of your favorite items? Awesome. Um, well, definitely a motto is weirder the better. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of my stop motion are objects that I put teeth into. Um, once upon a time, I ran across an artist who put teeth in rocks. And it was just the most magical and wonderful thing. I thought to myself, I have to, I have to find something that's my own to put teeth in. And uh, tea sets turned out to be... Uh, where I went. <laughs> I started with, um, yeah, cans of spray paint and teacups. Um, and then, uh, just through product photography led me to the stop motion. I thought, you know, I'm already, I was already kind of doing it without trying. Sure. Just by taking photos from just like slightly different angles. And then I would scroll through them and realize it was already kind of stop motion by accident right sure <laughs> and I thought well I mean if it was already if it was telling a story that would just make it that much more fun you know sure that, sure and not only do you have a piece of art but you also have it's like it's kind of like it's also a movie star <laughs> which is really fun I um, think it's really fun <laughs> yeah uh and I no 
lost my train of thought. That's okay. That's okay. When you were naming your um, new business because you were uh, destructive Barbie, is that what you said? Defective. Defective Barbie. I don't know why I can't remember that first part of it. I don't know why. I think I searched toxic Barbie on Instagram a couple of times before I figured out I had one of the words wrong and like eventually found you. Um, but your new business is called fungus gallery. Yes. Okay. So, um, where did that come from? I love it. First of all, it's just, it's just awesome and perfect for your brand, but tell me where it came from. Thank you. Uh, this was 2014 getting the way back machine. Um, and I was trying to teach myself a little bit more about working with making graphic art, making art on the computer. I wasn't very good at Photoshop. So I thought I should probably take a little bit more of my spare time to practice. Um, so I was practicing just kind of, I don't know, uh, cropping and melding images together, just experimenting, seeing what I could even do with it. And, um, I put some of those designs on Society6. Um, I was trying to think of a funny name for a clothing brand. Okay, sure. Uh, And that was when fungus popped into my head because I thought, oh, it'll grow on you. Oh, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. I just thought a clothing brand with a tagline, it'll grow on you, was like kind of gross and funny and awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. (laughs) Uh, and yeah, so I uploaded just a couple of designs onto a Society6 shop named, I think it was just Fungus. It wasn't even Fungus Gallery. It was just called Fungus. <clears throat> nothing ever came of it, uh, until what, 2018 or 2019 when I wanted to remake my art again. And so I just resurrected fungus I was like that was fun and it never really got a moment in the spotlight yeah yeah so I kind of tweaked it and updated it for my new project and that's how that came to be well that's wonderful I think that the the branding and the imagery is all beautiful and perfect so I, I love what you've done um what you've done with it so are you you're just strictly on Etsy right now, or how are you um, connecting with people mainly? Uh, Etsy, at the moment, uh, since I moved, I also branched out. I have a, uh, a little bit of work in some local stores. Oh, okay, sure. So there's um, a gallery and a custom framing shop downtown that have my work, um, and then... I'm planning to participate in another friend's uh, gallery for the holidays. I'm planning on potentially putting uh, hairy spiders in a Christmas tree. Oh, wonderful. I'm giving them little holiday hats. (laughs) Seeing if anybody's interested in some holiday spiders. That's fantastic. So is your, would you say, is your medium mainly like clay or what are you, what are you mainly sculpting with? 
Well, that's kind of weird because I make the very first design out of modeling clay. Okay. Uh, it's called plastilina. It never dries, so you can always reuse it, which is kind of cool. So if you're designing stuff, uh, nothing's wasted. Sure. Um, but the product that you actually buy, if it's one of my sculptures, like my wall hang sculptures or even a figurine, is made of plaster. So I take the modeling clay, I mold it in, I sculpt it into something fun or pretty, and then I make a mold of it so that I can reproduce it. Oh, that's you know, brilliant. So have, yeah. You know, so I don't have just one thing that took me a bajillion hours and it's a million dollars. Sure, yeah. <laughs> this way I can make a bunch of a thing and it's all very affordable for everybody involved. Um, so what I mainly work in is plaster. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. I love the the like plaques that you have that hang on the wall. And I was wondering, it's hard to tell through pictures what the, what the things are, are made of. And so I was wondering, um, what your process is like. So then if you have, um, a mold for something, are you doing, um, like limited runs on things or do you keep these molds forever so you can like dust off some older designs or what is your, like, are you trying to make new things all the time? What's your creative process like? Uh, so far, there are no limited editions. Um, I'm just making them so long as people are interested in them. Sure. Um, you know, so it's just more of an on, based on demand sort of situation. Sure. Uh, yeah, and I, I do try to make as much new stuff as I can, um, but that is very hard to make time for. Sure. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're creating the things that you're getting orders for and shipping. I mean, are you, are you doing all this yourself or do you have people helping you or what's your workload like? Mostly myself. Um, it was designed originally with two people handling things. Uh, so I've had friends help me off and on. But at the whole, like, official, I don't know, all the forms involved with that just, like, are so intimidating and they scare me. Sure. So I'm, I'm trying to, like, do things as much as I can on my own. Uh, but that's only because I'm a chicken. Um. Well, I think um, if you just get yourself a good accountant whenever you're ready... I think if you lean on somebody else who knows all the proper paperwork to file in order to make sure that everything's on the up and up, that's all you really need to do. Yeah. I have an accountant. I don't have any employees yet, but I do have an accountant who helps me keep all my things straight. And I know he has several clients that he like puts payroll type of stuff in place for them. So if it becomes something you want to do, I'm sure you'll be able to do that. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to build toward is like being a little more official. Yeah, maybe. sure. <laughs> sure. Well, that's yeah. that is something. I mean, when you talk about making art for a living, first of all, I think the society doesn't 
I mean, people are coming around. I mean, you know, people are getting more enlightened to different ways of life all the time. But I do think as, as a career, um, it's not fully validated in every uh, social circumstance um, out there a lot of times. Until maybe you reach a certain level or you have an income of a certain level or you reach some sort of like imaginary peak that somebody needs you to to be like legitimized as a as an artist for a living. But the fact of the matter is, is if you're supporting yourself with the money that you're making from your art, then you are in fact a living, breathing business made of art. So I think that uh, that you've definitely proven that. But yes, when you talk about getting employees, it kind of just makes things a little bit more serious, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And I, I want to do it right. Sure. You know, I don't, I don't know. I've had enough bad jobs. The last thing I'd want to do is create a job that someone doesn't like. <laughs> okay. That is so freaking important. And I'm so glad you said this because uh, it's such a crucial part. Like that is literally how I got into the part of the business development and coaching that I do for people is because I worked for so many terrible employees in circumstances that were just awful. And I kept seeing businesses continually make decisions that were poor in regards to their employees and their employees happiness and then be surprised when they couldn't retain people. And so to hear somebody who's taking it seriously and trying to take those steps, I think is just, it's huge. It already tells me that you'll be successful in the employer standpoint because caring about what kind of job you're asking somebody to do is a really big deal. Well, that's really good to hear. Yeah. Cause I, it seems unfair to ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do myself, first of all. Sure. And I, that's like, that's been, that's why it's so intimidating. It's like, I want it to be worth doing. Sure. That's been the hardest part. It's like, Oh, how do I ask someone to do this? Like, how is this fair? I've been fighting with my own, my own like understanding of my own ethics to like really nail this because I don't know. It's just, it's embarrassing and it's important to me. And yeah, so that's, that's one of the behind the scenes things that I'm working on. Well, I don't think it's embarrassing. I think that's important that you're like considering all aspects without just like jumping in. I think that that's really, I think that's really great. And I think that as an artist, I know for me, it is hard to deconstruct what can be like passed on for somebody else to kind of shoulder and what needs to be coming from me specifically as the like artist or creator. Now, I'm obviously if you're creating models of something and replicas of something, surely you can pass on the casting process to somebody so that they can help you with part of like the plaster pouring process or something like that and train people to do the or shipping or those types of things. But I do think it's hard when you're so attached to a business and it's so much a part of like you, who you are and you're the brand. It's really hard to like separate out tasks that could easily be done by somebody else. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so far, I've been doing all of the casting. Friends have helped me with things like shipping. That is definitely something that I've learned how to delegate. My friend Savannah helped me with that a lot. Um, and like framing prints. Um, I bet a lot of it is learning on my end. I've never managed people. Sure. Not officially anyway. 
So yeah, I've got, I've got a lot to learn as far as like managing people and, and understanding how to, how to teach as well. Ah, uh, yes. I think that that is a crucial part. And I think that, um, some people maybe aren't great at teaching and then they are confused why their employees are not able to replicate results for them when maybe they're just not very good at explaining on how to do it. Do you know? Yep. So I think that, I think that you will be a wonderful boss because you're already considering all these things for these hypothetical people that aren't really in your sphere yet. So I think that you are already off to a really um, great start in the people that I have managed um, under me. I feel like the, the thing that goes the furthest is always um, the consideration and the, the forethought and then just like the, the continued consideration once the person is hired, not being um, told that they're going to have a wonderful job and then <laughs> kind of going back on all of those things once they're in place. I think following through on your word and, and being considerate are just really important um, from that standpoint. And it sounds like you're already nailing those things. So I'm sure you'll you'll be wonderful if you should decide to go that route. Thank you. I'm, I'm working on trying to build a community, fit into the community, find my place in the community. And it's, it's kind of on theme with team building. I, I like the idea of being on a team. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that there's, um, just larger opportunities with collaboration and, you know, two minds are better than one and all of those old, um, antics that you might, you might think of, but I do think that, um, it sounds like you're really off to a great start, um, in Paducah. Is there a strong art community where you're connecting with like other artists of other mediums around, or what is that kind of scene like for you since you've moved? Um, I think a big part of it is the small town. Sure. It's a rural such a hard word to say. It is so, why is it such a hard word to say? Why is it so hard? <laughs> I have heard other people talk about this. This is not just us, but like, as soon as you said it, I was like, bless her, bless her. Cause that is not an easy word. <laughs> I'm trying to be casual as if, as if I'm great at saying it, but I'm not. <laughs> We're just out here talking like we know how to speak. Like what? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> okay, so you live in the outskirts. You live in an area that's more... <laughs> everyone knows everyone. So I don't know if there's any particularly large art community here, but uh, I might have been able to find them more easily. Sure. Simply because there are fewer of us. Sure. I'm not sure, but it's been fun to kind of watch us all gravitate toward each other, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. How do you, like, how do you do that when you get, when you come into a, like a new town like that, like how do you go about breaking into that like community and finding those people? How did, how did you seek those relationships out when you moved? Um, like I'm not a particularly social butterfly. Uh, and I also felt like, 
kind of an intruder. You know, I'm not from here. Um, I'm also from California, which is a specific place. You know, it's got sure. <laughs> it's got a very particular stereotypes about people from there. Well, and especially when we we're talking about moving to like the the south, there yeah. there's definitely a stereotype that's probably present there for people from California, for and vice sure. versa. I mean, it's just it's just culturally where we're at. Yeah, so I avoided people um, mostly, and it was still the pandemic. So like there was there were health reasons. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I might be antisocial, but also I'm trying not to die, so yeah. I'm gonna stay away from you people. <laughs> Two birds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then I I feel kind of like I just eventually tripped over people. <laughs> like you know, we were just in the same place because we do the same thing. Yeah. Um, I think the art center here, the Eyes Art Center, brings a lot of us together. Um. I think they're a pretty good part of the fabric of this community. Um, but yeah, you know, either through neighbors or just kind of cultural centers, I have managed to just accidentally bump into people and um, now have a little art collective that we've all started. So I don't, it's, it's a process. Well, I think it's also important for just like for anybody to understand that like there's just art everywhere. Like I also live in a rural <laughs> area outside of Peoria. And um, although Peoria seems like a big city to a lot of people, it's smaller than like every day. It seems like it gets smaller and smaller with just like the connections that are there. And it just seems like eventually you feel like you kind of know most of the people, but even in the rural part that I'm in, there's still a bunch of artists around here. And so even when you go into Peoria and then there's more there, it's just kind of, I think important for like the rest of the nation to just, or just people who aren't as aware of like how creative people are is that there's just creative people everywhere. You don't have to be in a big city. You don't have to be in a certain like demographic to find really great art. People are making it everywhere. It's just some people are more known than others. Yeah. And there's, I like, I get really excited meeting artists in different places. I love staying at like Airbnbs and going to like see different cities. And then I don't you know, like you can go to the main big galleries, but it's just I don't know, it's more fun for me when it's like person to person. You're just like helping somebody out with their dream. I don't know. Yeah. It's really cool. And not everybody sells their work. Yeah. They're so many artists that don't even share it and it's just as valuable. Yeah. They're, they're cool people to have in your life. <laughs> it's so true. I, um, I remember I, I've had this artist friend for a long time. I haven't seen her in years, but she would, um, always make things that were, she made jewelry and she made a lot of really nice things, but she also painted and she helped her dad who was a sculptor and, um, whenever I would go to her house, she would always just have the most bizarre art. Um, some of it would be like religious, some of it would be 
like not religious. It was just some of it would be provocative. It was just also different. And I remember one time we were talking and she was like, art just needs to make you think and feel something else. Like it's just, it's supposed to make you stop and pause and just make you feel something. And so whenever I stumble across somebody who has like an appreciation for um, just any kind of art that makes you stop and think, I just really, um, I, I kind of rejoice in that just because it is, there's so many different art forms and so many different things out there. Like you said, there's artists that are not even selling their work. Maybe they give it away or maybe they just keep it for themselves to enjoy. But when you stumble across things like that, it's just really, um, I think important to like take, take a moment and, and pause and appreciate the, the emotions that you're feeling just from taking in somebody else's art form, you know? Yeah. It's really fun to, um, see that happening all over the country. Yes. So you've moved from California and you're in Kentucky now, and it sounds like things are, um, going like really well for, for your business. So what, are your um next plans what's what's next for fungus gallery or you've got another project or what are what's next for you um you know just unhinging as much as possible yeah um, yeah i would i'd love to be a little bit more mobile maybe um learn to monetize things that don't require physical uh, objects like there's sure. nothing, there's no object to buy, maybe sure. an experience sort of thing. I'd love to um, dabble in music and performance, just branch out even more. Uh, I love that. Yeah, just see what I could do with. Um, dang it, there's. I'm still looking for that word from earlier. <laughs> It's going to haunt you. You're going to like, as soon as we hang up, you're going to be like, ah, oh, there it is. That's the word I was thinking of. <laughs> you're going to get an email like three weeks from now. <laughs> <gasps> That's so funny. One word and the rest is exclamation points. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that has been a trend in all of the people I've spoken to so far, and I think it holds true for you as well, is um, success in business, whether you are an artist or, um, you know, somebody who's cutting someone's hair or any other way that you may be supporting yourself. The, one of the keys is to keep going. And I think this is a perfect example. Your story is one of those. It's a perfect example of you were making art, you were selling art, but you were feeling pulled in a different direction. And, a lot of people will think they have to stay married to their first idea or their first business or they, you know, a lot of people hate change and so they don't want to adapt and, and move into something different. And so in pursuing change and it, like pushing your, your boundaries a little bit, it sounds like you've found um, a new path that's even more fulfilling than where you were before. And I think that that's, there's definitely a lesson in that for people who are maybe searching, not feeling inspired, or just wondering if they're on the right path. Um, sometimes the right path is a different path. Yeah. Sometimes you have to burn it down. Yeah. That also works. It <laughs> yeah. can work. You never know. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes you got to burn it down. I'm going to put that in my book and start using it. That's just fantastic. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. 
I uh, I really love art markets because I love meeting people and customers and hearing like immediate responses on the art that I'm making. But I also really love art markets because I met some of the coolest people, yourself included. Um, it is such a weird and fun thing to admire someone's work like I did yours um, at the first uh, year that I went to uh, San Diego to that art festival. And then like the next summer be like, come stand outside with me while I smoke a cigarette. Let's talk and be friends <laughs> and like become friends over this kind of shared experience of what we were doing and um, to stay connected and follow you over the years and see all the different things that you're doing. It's just so special for me. I just think it's great to have this kind of like network of people all over the country that are doing really cool stuff that I can say like, Hey, I know her. So I'm really glad that I met you. I'm really glad that I did Kaboo all those years ago. Yeah, I'm glad I met you too. And I'm so glad that you're still creating things. I think that the the artwork you were making before is beautiful. And I think that the art you're creating now is awesome. I think it would be great if we could um, talk again in the future and just kind of touch back in and see now that we've kind of heard where you're at and heard some of your aspirations and your goals, if we talk to you again in another six months or something. I think it would be fun just to see where you're at or if you've taken even a different path that we never even um, could have considered today anyway. So um, I'd love to have you back if you'd be down for that. Happy to be one. Oh, that's so kind of you. I also would just love to come down and ch check out the Paducah art scene sometime. So if I can manage to, I'm not too far away from you. I think, I think you're only about four hours or something like that, but maybe we should plan to um, to get together sometime if it works out. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, art friends. Yay! <laughs> well, Christina with Fungus Gallery, we're going to put all of your information in the show notes, and I'll put up some great pictures of your artwork um, in the show promo. So thank you for being so generous with your time and being patient with my technical difficulties. And... I wish you all the success in the world, but if you ever want to come back and chat, let's do it. Heck yes. Thank you so much. I'm right back at you. All right. Be well. All right. You too. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That was fun, right? I think it was. I enjoyed talking with Christina. I hope that you enjoyed listening in on the conversation. If you haven't listened to the first four episodes, I'd love it if you'd go back and take a listen to one of those. I think you'll find something that you can enjoy in every single episode. Um, give me a comment. Let me know what you think about the episode and let me know what you want to hear for future episodes. Um, I want to be clear that I happen to know a lot of female entrepreneurs, but I also would love to talk to the gentlemen out there too. So if you own a business and you've had a unique journey, all of us have, um, let's chat. I'd love to have you as a guest. So thank you for listening to Brazen Business Podcast. It's been a blast doing this so far. I can't even dream of stopping. So I'm going to keep on keeping on and I'll see you next time.